0: Chapter 4 of The Missing Bride. This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information, or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. The Missing Bride by E. D. E. N. Southworth. Chapter 4 Edith's Troubles. Late in the spring, Ensign Michael Shields received orders to join his regiment in Canada and upon their reception he had an explanation with Edith, and with her permission had requested her hand of her uncle, Commodore Wall. This threw the veteran into a towering passion, and nearly drove him from his proprieties as host. The young ensign was unacceptable to him upon every account. First and foremost he wasn't grim. Then he was an Israelite, and lastly, horror of horrors, he was a British officer and dared to aspire to the hand of Edith. It was in vain that his wife, the good Henrietta, tried to mollify him. The storm raged for several days, raged till it had expended all its strength and subsided from exhaustion. Then he called Edith and tried to talk the matter over calmly with her. Now all I have to say to you, Edith is this he concluded, that if you will have the good sense to marry Mr. Grimshaw, these intentions shall be more than fulfilled, they shall be anticipated. Upon your marriage with Grimshaw, I will give you a conveyance of luck enough, only reserving to myself and old hen a house and a life support in the place. But if you persist in your foolish preference for that young scamp, "'I will give you nothing. That is all, Edith.' During the speech, Edith remained standing with her eyes fixed upon the floor. Now she spoke in a tremulous voice. "'That is all, is it not, Uncle? "'You will not deprive me of any portion of your love, will you, Uncle? "'I do not know, Edith, I cannot tell.' when you have deliberately chosen one of your own fancy and preference to one of mine, the man I care most for in the world, and whom I chose especially for you, why, you've speared me right through a very tender part. However, as I said before, what you do, do quickly. I cannot bear to be kept upon the tenter hooks. I will talk with Michael, Uncle said edith meekly she went out and found him pacing the lawn at the back of the house he turned toward her with a glad smile took her hand as she approached him and pressed it to his lips dearest edith where have you been so long with my uncle michael i have my uncle's ultimatum as he calls it what is it edith uh, how shall i tell you without offence "'Dearest Michael, you will not mind. "'You will forgive an old man's childish prejudices, "'especially when you know that they are not personal, "'but circumstantial, national, bigoted.' "'Well, Edith, well.' "'Michael, he says, he says that I may give you my hand.' "'Said he so. "'Bless that fair hand, and bless him who bestows it,' "'he exclaimed, clasping her fingers and pressing them to his lips.' Yes, Michael, but... But what? There is no but. He permits you to give me your hand. There is then no but. A jailer to bring forth some monstrous malefactor. Yet listen, you know I was to have been his heiress. No, indeed, I did not know it. Never heard it, never suspected it, never even thought of it. How did I know but that he had sons and daughters or nephews away at school? well i was to have been his heiress now he disinherits me unless i consent to be married to his friend and favourite dr grimshaw you put the case gently and delicately dear edith but the hard truth is this is it not that he will disinherit you if you consent to be mine you need not answer me dearest edith if you do not wish to but listen i have nothing but my sword and beyond my boundless love Nothing to offer you but the wayward life of a soldier's wife Your eyes are full of tears Speak, Edith Lance Can you share the soldier's wandering life? Speak, Edith, or lay your hand in mine Yet, no, 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 I am selfish and unjust Take time, love, to think of all you abandon all that you may encounter in joining your fate to mine god knows what it has cost me to say it but take time edith and he pressed and dropped her hand i do not need to do so my answer today tomorrow and forever must be the same she answered in a very low voice and her eyes sought the ground and the blush deepened on her cheek as she laid her hand in his how he pressed that white hand to his lips to his heart how he clasped her to his breast how he vowed to love and cherish her as the dearest treasure of his life need not here be told edith said now take me into uncle and tell him for he asked me not to keep him in suspense michael led her into the hall where the commodore strode up and down making the old rafters tremble and quake with every tread puffing, blowing out his fallen hopes like a Nor'wester o'er the dead leaves. Michael advanced, holding the hand of his affianced, and modestly announced their engagement. <laughs> so the precious business is concluded, is it? Yes, sir, said Michael with a bow. Well, I hope you may be as happy as you deserve. When is the proceeding to come off? What, sir? The marriage, young gentleman. When shall I say, dearest Edith? asked Michael, stooping to her ear. When uncle pleases, murmured the girl. Uncle pleases nothing, and will have nothing to do with it, except to advise as early a day as possible, he blurted out. What says the bride? Answer, dearest Edith, entreated Michael Shields. Then let it be a new year said edith falteringly eh, six months ahead entirely too far off exclaimed the commodore and so it really is beloved whispered michael let it be next week abruptly broke in the commodore what's the use of putting it off tuesdays and thursdays are the marrying days i believe let it be tuesday or thursday tuesday pleaded Michael. Thursday, murmured Edith. The deuce. If you can't decide, I must decide for you, growled old Nick, storming down toward the extremity of the hall and roaring. Old hen, Old hand! These fools are to be spliced on Sunday. Now bring me my pipe, and the commodore withdrew to his sanctum good henrietta came in took the hand of the young ensign and pressed it warmly saying that he would have a good wife and wishing them both much happiness in their union she drew edith to her bosom and kissed her fondly but in silence as this was friday evening little preparations could be made for the solemnity to take place on sunday yet mrs henrietta exerted herself to do all possible honour to the occasion that very evening she sent out a few invitations to the dinner and ball that in those days invariably celebrated a country wedding she even invited a few particular friends to meet the bridal pair at dinner on their return from church the little interval between this and sunday morning was passed by edith and shields in making arrangements for their future course sunday came a young lady of the neighborhood officiated as bridesmaid and cloudsley mornington as groomsman. the ceremony was to be performed at the episcopal church at charlotte hall the bridal party set forth in two carriages they were attended by the commodore and mrs wall they reached the church at an early hour and the marriage was solemnized before the morning service when the entries had been made and the usual congratulations passed the party returned to the carriages "'Before entering his own, Commodore Waugh approached that "'in which the bride and bridegroom were already seated, "'and into which the groomsman was about to hand the bridesmaid. "'Stay, you two, you need not enter just yet,' said the old man. "'I want to speak with Mr. Shields and his wife, Edith.' "'Edith put her head forward eagerly. Yeah, "'I have nothing against you.' but after what has occurred i don't want to see you at luck enough again good-bye then turning to shields he said i will have your own and your wife's goods forwarded to the hotel here and nodding gruffly he strode away Cloudsley stormed edith begged that the carriage might be delayed yet a little while vain edith's hope and vain mrs Waugh's expostulations old nick was not to be mollified he said that those who pleased to remain with the new-married couple might do so. He should go home. They did as they liked, and he should do as he liked. Mrs. Waugh, Cloudsley, and the bridesmaid determined to stay. The commodore entered his carriage and was driven toward home. The party then adjourned to the hotel, Mrs. Waugh comforting Edith and declaring her intention to stay with her as long as she should remain in the neighborhood for henrietta always did as she pleased notwithstanding the opposition of her stormy husband the young bridesmaid and cloudsley also expressed their determination to stand by their friends to the last their patience was not put to a very long test in a few days a packet was to sail from benedict to baltimore and the young couple took advantage of the opportunity and departed with the good wishes of their few devoted friends their destination was Toronto, in Canada, where the young ensign's regiment was quartered. End of chapter four.